Well, it's good to be with each and every one of you. Heard so much um, about um, your church actually for many years. A little bit of background on uh, myself and our church. Uh, we started in 95, so we haven't been around as long as uh, Calvary Chapel Truckee has. Uh, but, um, you know, our church started in uh, very much a youth um, revival. Uh, I actually was the first convert of our church. I always love to share uh, that because uh, I always tell people, well, it works. I'm still here. I'm still walking with Jesus. And uh, it's a true, true blessing. Uh, but, you know, as we started interacting uh, in uh, evangelization around the world, uh, we call it missions, right? But um, I, I like to just use uh, kind of the biblical idea of, uh, you know, bringing the gospel uh, Calvary Chapel Truckee came up. One of the first missionaries I met in Africa in the late 90s was out of Calvary Chapel uh, Truckee. Of course, uh, Jim and Anna, I know them really well and have known them for many years. We have a church plant in the um, country of Belize as well, uh, out of our fellowship. Uh, so, uh, like, no joke, like, Five different people that are very strategic uh, in my life uh, through the years came out of Calvary Truckee. And I'm like, what is this church? I mean, it's uh, uh, got to be an amazing church. Uh, and uh, so it's a joy for me to be here with you guys, um, uh, you know, today and to be able to share the word. And yes, uh, Gary and I have had an amazing uh, time. Of course, when he was a missionary, him and his family were serving uh, in Europe. Uh, they were uh, working with us, uh, Calvary Chapel Saving Grace. We're uh, in Orange County. Yes, I'm sorry, but uh, that's where I'm from. Uh, born and raised in the city. I, I now pastor, and, um, you know, uh, it's just been a blessing. Of course, when they uh, transferred home from the field uh, or transitioned home from the field, we were able to uh, have them at our fellowship and, uh, you know, if any of you guys ever think you drive far to church, I don't know where everyone is from, uh, but there is no one besides one other single guy that I know that drove farther than Gary uh, and his family to our church. I mean, I don't know, it was like an hour and 45, two-hour, one-way drive to church, and there they were every single Sunday. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to whine and cry to Gary, he's not the guy to do that to. Do it to someone else. Uh, because he's not going to have much <laughs> compassion on you. Um, and uh, no, it's been a blessing for us uh, to be able to um, get to know him and his family and uh, to serve. Of course, we've served uh, together uh, around the world. He's still a, a huge part of um, our Bible schools and leading up. I don't know how many of you guys know that, but he leads up um, our online schools that we do in South Asia. We don't share the uh, country when we're, uh, you know, live streaming or something on the internet. So just for security purposes, there's a lot of persecution uh, there. And uh, But Gary is a huge, huge behind-the-scenes guy, uh, blessing as he's organizing, uh, planning um, uh, Bible schools that are literally run online. And during COVID, uh, they've actually grown, and there's actually one more started, uh, which is absolutely amazing. And so it's just totally been a blessing. Well, uh, today I want to open the word with you guys um, and uh, want to look at the purpose of the church. And I'm sure Gary, because him and I are of a similar heart, uh, has shared some of these things with you guys. 
but I wanted to share maybe uh, from a, a fresh perspective, a different perspective, of course, as a different pastor and teacher, um, and just kind of share with you guys uh, God's heart for you, God's heart for me, God's heart for His people, what our role is, what our place is uh, in this world, why are we still here and uh, so uh, today we're going to be looking at several passages, of course, as a guest speaker. We are doing a topical message uh, this morning. Um, you know, my uh, go-to is verse-by-verse teaching, of course, a Calvary Chapel pastor. Um, I'm really just a Bible teacher. You know, some people say, you know, I'm, our church is about missions and stuff. It's actually just about teaching the Word of God, equipping the believers, and then going out and doing that which God has called us to do as we learn from uh, Scripture. And I'll share a little bit more of that testimony uh, with you. And so we're going to be in what we call the Great Commission passages this morning. So the end of all of the Gospels and the beginning of the book of Acts. And we'll just kind of hit a few points out of them. So um, let's open with a word of prayer and jump into it. Father, we thank you so much. God, for the privilege and opportunity for us to gather together this morning, to be here, God, to hear your word, Father, to sit at your feet. And God, I pray right now that you would uh, just, Lord, minimize all the distractions. Lord, as we're outside, it's beautiful, and we thank you for it. It's such a blessing. At the same time, God, we can be distracted by so many different things. And so uh, we just pray today that, God, you would, would just pour out, Lord, your Holy Spirit upon us, that you would minister to us, you would meet us, and, God, that you would just speak, Father, what only you can speak. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, the purpose of the church, again, is uh, the title of the message today. That's what I want to think through with you and talk about. I want to start with just kind of a definition, a statement, if you would, of what is the purpose of the church. In my study of Scripture, and it's been many years of studying the Word of God, teaching uh, verse by verse the Word of God, um, this is the definition I would give of the purpose, the biblical purpose of the church. Quote, the purpose of the church, or excuse me, the purpose of the church's existence on the earth is for the evangelization and discipleship of all people. The reason that you and I aren't taken to heaven immediately after we're saved, it's a question I've asked before, especially when I'm going through trials, and I'm sure you've been in that place like, what is the purpose of my life? Why, am I, why do I have to go through this as a Christian? I've always thought, Lord, wouldn't it be cool? Now, obviously, it wouldn't work. But wouldn't it be cool if when I get saved, I get raptured, right? Like an individual rapture, like, okay, you're saved. What else needs to be done? Go to heaven. But to realize that God has a purpose for your life and for my life here on this earth. There's a reason that we exist. And what my heart is today is to let us know that the reason we exist is more than doing what we're doing right now. It's more than just going to church. It's more than just going to work. It's more than just getting up and living life. But God has a divine call upon every one 
of our lives. And I'd ask you, of course, I'm, a, I'm new to you guys. You guys are new to me. A lot of times when you get a you know, guest speaker, you kind of like, you know, what's this guy all about? And there's, there's some walls up we have, you know, as we hear what he's having to say. And, uh, you know, I just ask that uh, somehow in the spirit right now we could be disarmed. Just let those walls fall. Let's just fellowship this morning in the Word of God. And there are some things I might say that are challenging. I hope they are. That's why we come to church, to get encouraged, to get stirred, to get challenged. But everything that I, I will say to you today, of course, is going to be backed up with Scripture and very excited uh, to be here today. And I just pray that our hearts would be just open to all that God uh, has for us. Listen, God has more for your life. I can guarantee it. He's got more for my life than we're right now experiencing. If not, then, you know, what, what's the point of even gathering together today? Like, we all are in a process of growing. We're all in a process of learning. We're all in a process of going deeper. And, and I want us to hear maybe some familiar passages, hopefully in a fresh way. And so, in, and I'm just going to kind of just rifle through, if you would, the Great Commission passages. There are five Great Commission passages in the New Testament. Now, when I say Great Commission, of course, that's a name we've put on, uh, the church has put on these passages. These are Jesus' final words to his apostles, which represent his church. Okay, so that's important. These are Jesus' last words. This is Jesus' final command. This is Jesus' summary of his three years on earth after his death, burial, resurrection, right before his ascension to heaven. He says, here's the purpose of your existence. Here is my call and my will for you in this life. Think about that, okay? That's pretty epic. So it's not just like, hey, here's a Bible verse. Here's a, like, no, here is strategically Jesus' command to his church. Okay, now the New Testament records it five times. Like, hey, if you missed it in Matthew, okay, it's repeated in Mark. Well, a lot of things are repeated from Matthew to Mark, right? Well, if you missed it in Matthew and Mark, you'll find it in Luke. And if you miss it in Luke, yeah, it's in John, and it's at the end, you know. A lot of times you won't remember much what's said, maybe the, the last concluding thought of a sermon. It's kind of like the last concluding thought of the book. Here it is. And then the book of Acts opens with it again. So if you missed it in all four of the Gospels, and, you know, you forgot about it, and then the book of Acts opens. Now, what is the book of Acts? Well, the book of Acts is the first 30 years of church history. Now, that's important. So here's God's model for us, and one of the Calvary Chapel we call distinctives is, is that the book of Acts is a, a model for us to follow. It's not just the history of the first 30 years of the church but it's a, a divine outline and God's divine design for the way he wanted his church to operate and run. So we come to monumental passages here when we talk about the Great Commission. 
Uh, Matthew, uh, and I'm going to uh, just start actually in Mark. I'm going to go not systematically um, as they're laid out in our New Testaments. But Mark tells us this in his Great Commission passage, which Mark just says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's Mark's rendition of the Great Commission. And so what, what do we learn from that? We learn that we are called, the purpose of the church is to evangelize every creature on the planet Earth. So right away, we are confronted with the purpose of my life is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to men and women to the world. Now, you know, oftentimes uh, I'm tagged as Gary tagged me with a missions guy. I want you guys to know that I've never been a missionary. Like Gary's been a missionary, okay? He's a real missionary. I've never been a missionary. I was born in Yorba Linda. It's a city in Orange County. It's like 25 minutes from Disneyland, okay? Um, born and raised there. I was uh, a burnout drug addict as a youth. Uh, I was a messed up guy, got radically born again. The Lord, you know, uh, changed my life, uh, cleaned me up. And um, my brother had started a Bible study. He was in the same lifestyle that I was. And he started a Bible study, invited me. I got saved. That Bible study became our church. So, uh, you know, I started teaching about, I think about a year and a half after I got saved. Uh, one of the cool things about my testimony is I'm dyslexic. Uh, I'm literally illiterate. Um, it would be hard for me to explain all the ins and outs to you guys in just a brief moment here, but literally I can't read a menu. I can't read street signs. I do a lot of memorization in scripture. I use audio, uh, you know, tools. I, my, it's great, technology is great today. My computer reads for me. Uh, my phone, you know, can dictate stuff. My computer, any email exchange, any text exchange, everything's gonna be voice activated kind of software. So that's, that's who I am. So I'm not the candidate to be a pastor, but I'm, a, you know, I'm an old construction guy. Uh, that's my background. I was a brick mason, uh, did construction. Uh, you know, I never, ever wanted to be a pastor. Uh, never wanted to stand in front of people and try to read. That's like the most terrifying thing for a dyslexic guy. Um, you know, graduated high school by the grace of God. When I was 21, I struggled pretty hard. Um, you know, so that's kind of my background and that's my uh, testimony. Um, you know, when our church started, it was um, just birthed out of that Bible study that eventually I kind of got manipulated and pushed into, obviously by the Lord, um, to teach because that's the last thing I ever wanted to do. In fact, my mom, who is an amazing believer, prayed for me. Uh, my whole life and all my rebellion, I mean, she would literally just be on her knees weeping and praying. I can remember coming home, you know, stoned, drunk, whatever, and hearing her in her room talking to someone. And I thought, that's weird. Her lights are off. I'd open her door and it'd be pitch black in there. And uh, now I understand what she was doing. She's in there like binding Satan and praying for me and just interceding. And I, I remember I would persecute her. I would tell her, her Jesus is, you know, weird. She's weird. What are you doing? And she's, you know, just in there interceding. You know, um, my mom is an awesome, awesome, you know, believer. 
uh, praise God, she's still alive. She serves at our church, uh, and she's uh, just amazing. Um, you know, when I told my mom I was going to teach the Bible study, it was outside, it was in her backyard, it was a youth revival, a bunch of kids, all of our friends, we started sharing the gospel and just, you know, watching God do a work, and all of our friends are getting saved, and she turned she white. My mom, who, who prayed for me and wanted nothing more than me to serve the Lord, when she heard that I was going to attempt to teach, knowing me as her, you know, as my mom, uh, she's just like, that's not a good idea that you would stand up in front of people and try to read. And I know, I agree, Mom. Uh, I memorized the verse, and I'm just going to teach that one. Um, and I've been teaching that Bible study ever since that then became our church. So here we are. We're a very young church, okay? When I say young, I don't just mean it's a new church. I mean the people are young. I'm 25 when we actually start Sunday morning services. Okay, I'm the elder amongst the group. I had at least two or three years on everyone. And you know, when you're in your 20s, two or three years is a big deal. Uh, now two or three years is nothing, right? A, a decade isn't much. Um, but, uh, you know, I was uh, old, okay, compared to most people. So I want you to think about it, to a bunch of young kids. We have no idea what we're doing. Okay, I have no idea what it means to be a pastor. I am literally clueless. All I know is I went to two semesters of Bible school at Twin Peaks. Uh, that was where the Calvary Chapel Bible College was. And I had to come home. I couldn't finish school because a church was starting. Like God was starting a church. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really into it. I'm not going to be the pastor. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. And God says, too bad. You're going to do it. John Corson, uh, some of you might know him from Applegate Christian Fellowship, um, at that time, he was, you know, discipling me, of course, from a distance, but encouraging me. Um, you know, we'd go up there, of course, and we'd listen to his teachings and stuff. And uh, he was down at, at Harvest Christian Fellowship, Greg Glory's church uh, in Riverside. And uh, I went down there uh, to hear him speak, and I was talking to him afterwards, and I was telling him because he had kind of known what was going on. Some of his actual kids would come down uh, and go to our 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 Bible study, um, and was a part of that. And so, um, uh, you know, I said to him, you know, here's the situation, and, um, you know, I just feel like, uh, you know, I'm not ready. And he just says, what are you waiting for? And he starts pushing me. Now, John Corson, you know, he's a little older these days, but in those days, dude, the dude was yoked, okay? He's a big bro. You know, he'd work out and stuff, really fit guy. And he just starts putting, like, he, right in the front of the stage at Harvest Christian Fellowship, he's pushing me, like, across, you know, uh, we weren't on the stage, we were down below. And he's just like, what are you waiting for? And he's just, and I'm just going like this, like, whoa, okay. He's like, God has called you, obviously, to start this church. Uh, it started, like, pastor it. There was another Calvary pastor uh, who was mentoring us. He was, a, he was a youth pastor, and of course we were youth, so uh, one of our uh, other guys uh, went to his youth group, and so he started uh, helping us, because again, we, we're hopelessly like in need of help. Um, you know, his wife helps us like, okay, well you guys got to incorporate, and you got to become a nonprofit. We're just like, what's that? Uh, you know, how do you do that? You need a lawyer. We're like, uh, uh, you know, we're just scared. Like, we can't do any of that. I mean, again, 
just imagine if a bunch of kids in the, you know, kind of youth group, you know, between the age of 16 and 23 was probably the average age of 90% of the people in our church. Um, you know, and uh, I, I said, I just don't want to get ahead of God. And he says to me, he goes, you're so far behind God, you better start running to catch up. You know, it's pretty obvious, Trent, what's going on, and you're clueless. Um, that's how I started the ministry. So here we are, and we know we're clueless. We're not the young kids that are like, yeah, we got this together. We're like, we have no idea what we're doing. I mean, I start the church by telling the congregation, we have no idea what we're doing, but God's doing something, and, uh, you know, and, and so let's just go for it. What we did know is you, you know, spend time in worship, you spend time in fellowship, you teach the Word of God. We had the, the foundation of Calvary Chapel been discipled and mentored and modeled uh, by Calvary Chapel pastors. So total blessing, that's awesome. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll just, I'll just teach the book of Acts. Because if I teach the book of Acts, the book of Acts will tell us what the church is to be. If, if Acts is the first 30 years of church history, Let's just check that out and let's see what's there. And so, you know, never ever had done missions, never had thought about missions. Again, I'm a local kid from my city, never had traveled, never had gone anywhere. Uh, I think the first time I flew on a plane, I was 21 and I went from, uh, you know, uh, John Wayne Airport in Orange County to Phoenix, Arizona. That was my big, that was my big trip. Um, you know, just what, you know, personality wise, very much kind of a recluse kind of guy, a homebody, comfortable, not a real, uh, you know, traveler. And so that wasn't what, what, what stirred us. But what happened was, is as I was teaching verse by verse, the book of Acts, God began to show us because I'm thinking, Hey, this will be a great book for our church. We're a young church, you know, the early church, they were a young church. We want to reach people in our city, so that's cool. We'll learn how to do local evangelism. Um, we, we want to learn how the gifts of the Spirit are to work and operate biblically in the church. Well, the book of Acts will, will kind of model that, so let's just go through it. So we're going through the book of Acts, and I realize about halfway through the book of Acts, wait a second, this book is about, well, it's about missions, it's about the evangelization and discipleship of all nations. That's what this book is about. And I started thinking, well, wait a second. If this is the early church in Jerusalem, it's, not, it's a local church. God's purpose for our church and our lives as Christians is bigger than what we see in front of us. And God has a plan. And God began to unfold that plan as we continue to teach verse by verse through the New Testament and to see God's just magnificent plan for His church. And so from that, we've been engaged in the Great Commission. And then, you know, now what I'm doing, okay, I'm just kind of giving you guys a little story here and a little testimony. Now what I'm doing, and I pray it encourages you, and I pray you kind of follow uh, me with this. Now I'm going back and looking at the Great Commissions. 
And I'm thinking, wow, the, this, these are here. <laughs> these aren't just passages for missionaries. Because again, I'm not a missionary. I've never been a missionary. Easter, we celebrated 26 years from when we started our Sunday morning services. That was 95. We started our, our Bible study in 91. I've been pastoring the church for almost 30 years. You know, God has done incredible and amazing things. But I, I'm not coming to you today as some, you know, guest speaker that's from the mission field. Hey, you guys, dig down deep. Let's give, you know, let's rally up. Let's, I'm just coming to you as a, as, a, as a believer in Christ, open Bible, open heart, saying, God, I want to live a life surrendered to you. God, what is your heart? God, what is your will for my life? What is your will for our church in Orange County? What's your will for your church wherever I go? Your church in Truckee, your church in Africa, wherever it is, your heart, your calling is for us to be engaged in the Great Commission. And in Mark's Gospel, it just states simply, Jesus states that we are called to go and make the, or, or to go and preach the gospel to all nations. Now, Luke, in Luke chapter uh, 24, the second commission, in verses 46, if you're jotting down some notes, verses 46 through 48. Again, Luke 24, verses 46 through 48. I call it there uh, where Luke defines the gospel for all nations. So, if Mark uh, talks about preaching the gospel to all nations. Luke here uh, defines the gospel for all nations because he tells us what is the gospel. And listen, in the day and age we live, the church day and age we live, that's really important. What is the gospel? Man, I hear all kinds of people saying they're preaching the gospel. The gospel, according to Jesus, according to what Luke tells us in the Great Commission there, recording the words of Jesus, that the gospel is preaching repentance and remission of sin to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, beginning right where you are. So he defines the gospel, and he, and he says there, it's the death, burial, and resurrection. It's preaching repentance and remission. You know, today we hear a modern-day gospel, and there's no repentance in it. Listen, if people aren't called to repent, they can't be saved. This is why we see such weakness today in church. In the churches, just I just speak generally, uh, not not talking about you guys necessarily, but just generally as the church. Why is there no power? Because there's no gospel. There's no true gospel being preached. Conviction of sin, like conviction of sin, is a good thing. The apostle Paul, in his last words, he speaks. We're looking at Jesus's last words, but Paul's last words he speaks is is found in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is his last book he writes. He's writing, of course, to Timothy. That's where Paul says in chapter 4, you know, of 2 Timothy, there in verses 6 and 7, where he says, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith, and finally there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who love is appearing, right? I mean, that we, we, most of us know that passage, right? I mean, that's it. You know, he's just like, I finished it. I did well. I'm ready to depart. He literally is going to die. And right before he says that, he tells Timothy at the end of chapter 3, the beginning of chapter 4, 
He says all scripture. We know this. 1 Timothy 3.16. It's another 3.16. We all know John 3.16. There's a lot of cool 3.16s. It's easy to remember. First, 2 Timothy 3.16 is for all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. That the man of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here... Uh, Paul tells Timothy, that's what you need, Timothy. And that's what we need today. We need the Word of God to show us the will of God. It's the Word of God that we need. I can guarantee you in your life, like in my life, men, we need the Word of God so deeply ingrained in us. We need to be discipled. We need to grow. We don't just need to come to on Sunday mornings. That's the start and be taught the Word of God, but we need the Word of God to shape our lives. He says the Word of God is profitable for teaching, for correction, for instruction, uh, for, uh, you know, us being discipled. That's what he says, that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped. That's where we get the word disciple from, uh, that the man of God might, might be trained uh, they're instructed in righteousness is, is the idea of discipleship. And so it's so important for us to see that. Now listen, he goes on to say to Timothy, I charge you, Timothy. So he's speaking now to the, the, the pastor and really the guy that's going to take Paul's place. Here's the commission. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead and is appearing in his kingdom. That's a pretty heavy charge. I don't know if you, you ever think about it, but you know, imagine if the Lord came to you and says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead that is appearing in his kingdom. It's kind of like shudder with a little fear in your soul. You're going to stand before God for what you do. Okay, I'm listening now. And this is what he says, the next verse. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. He says, uh, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Now this is what Paul tells Timothy that the gospel is to be, how the gospel is to be preached. It's to be preached by convincing people. It's to be preached by exhorting people. It's to be preached by rebuking people. There ought to be conviction that comes with the Word of God. We as a church this morning have come here, and I pray we've come here to church to be changed. I, I pray, you know, that we don't just get up on Sunday morning and say, yeah, I'm just going to go to church, that's what I do, and we just kind of, you know, and, and of course we have to fight that. It's natural just get kind of in our routines and our ruts, and especially those of us who have been believers for a long time. It's kind of like, this is just what we do. Like, Lord, I co I'm coming to get changed by your word. Your word is going to be lifted up. That's the sweetness of Calvary Chapel. You know the word of God is going to be taught. Your word's going to come, and I pray your word cuts me. I pray your word convicts me. I pray your word rebukes me. And he goes on to talk about that we do with the teaching and long-suffering and being patient. But then he says this, but the time will come 
when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will be turned away from the truth and turned aside to fables. But he says, but you, Timothy, be watchful in all things. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. There, we are in those times to come. The word sound doctrine is an awesome word. The word sound in the Greek is the word for healthy. You would translate it well. The person is well. The opposite of sound doctrine is sickly doctrine. We call it false doctrine, right? False doctrine brings about spiritual sickness, whereas sound doctrine brings about spiritual well-being. That's literally what the word means. That's beautiful and powerful. Why is the church sick today? Because, and again, when I say the church, I don't mean just us. I'm just talking to the church. Why is the church sick today? Because they've left sound doctrine. And we're, we're you know, we're heaping up for himself, ourselves teachers who will be turned away from the truth and turned aside to fables. Uh, they have itching ears, it says. And this is what the temptation is. And listen, you guys know it. You live in the world. I mean, just in the last few years, our world has gone crazy. I mean, it is insanity. Those of us that have been in the church, that have been walking with the Lord for many years, we're just looking around going like, what is going on? Like, what is wrong is now right. What is right is wrong. By the way, Isaiah says in Isaiah 5 that, you know, they're going to call evil good and good evil. It's a sign of the end. I mean, listen, I, I've been a pastor for a long time, and I've, you know, it's always been, quote, bad, and we've always seen stuff. And, uh, of course, you know, Calvary Chapel was birthed in, uh, you know, uh, the, that, that time of, you know, a sexual revolution in the 60s and, some of you, you know, maybe were a part of it and alive during that time and lived through that. And, saw, and that looked bad then, right? In that time, those of you that are around us like, this is bad. This is really bad. You know, your parents were like, this is bad. And, and, you know, and it can't get any worse. And then, you know, the Jesus movement came along and revival happened. And, and now you're looking and going, oh, this is really bad. Like, let's go back to those days. Like, that was like conservative sin. You know, I mean, it's like, what is, what is happening right now is insanity. And you know what people need? They don't need a compromised, weak, watered-down gospel. What people need is, is the Word of God. They don't need it given to them in a harsh way. That's not what I'm saying. They don't need, you know, us to start, you know, rebuking them and judging them and condemning them. They need to know that which can save their life. And that which saves their lives is Jesus Christ. And the only way they can be saved is through repentance of their sin. But they need to be convicted of their sin. Sin needs to be called sin. And we need to be careful that we don't... And listen, culture affects us. Whether you think so or not, culture affects you. And the culture is changing. And if you think, it's not going to affect me, it's going to affect you. It already has. I mean, you know, just with COVID, like, should I shake their hand? Should I get close to, should I stay away? Like, 
what, what, what group are they in? You know, should I have a mask on? Should I not? Like, it's affected our society. You know, um, the way we present the gospel, we're a little bit uh, hesitant about this topic or that issue, a sexual issue, dealing with, you know, homosexuality, big, big topic. Racism, like, never did I think about it before. Now I'm thinking about it all of a sudden, you know, as I, I'm talking to, you know, someone that's of a different race than myself, and it's like, uh, should I s say that? Like, before I never thought of it, I'm, there's not a racist bone in my body. I mean, I, I work all over the world. I work, I'm usually the only white guy in the room. You know, it's like, I'd never thought of it. All of a sudden I'm thinking about it, it's affecting me. And, and it affects people. And we need to be careful that we just stick with the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what will change the world. That's what will change the society. The early church, their culture, their society was worse than ours. Okay, you got to understand that of the first 15 Roman emperors, 14 of them were homosexuals. The emperor that's in power, Nero, is the first emperor that had a public homosexual wedding. He had a young man castrated and had a marriage to him. Okay, this is the culture. I mean, I think, you know, our government's bad. It hasn't got there yet. It's going there. There's no question about it. But that's the culture that they come in and say, we're just going to preach the simplicity of the gospel. We're going to share the gospel and we're going to see people get saved. What Truckee needs, what this region needs, is it needs a church to rise up, to be bold, to be filled with the Spirit, and to fulfill their purpose. You look around and you go, there's a lot of need. Well, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? And of course, it starts with prayer. This is the commission Jesus gave to us. Okay? In Matthew's Gospel, uh, Jesus tells us, uh, to go and make disciples, right? Matthew chapter uh, 28, verses 18 through, through really verse 20. But he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So if we learn, go preach the gospel to all creatures. What that gospel is defined by Luke's rendition of the Great Commission. Matthew then tells us to go out and to do more than just preach the gospel. My calling isn't just to reach someone with the gospel and move on. My calling is to reach someone and then begin to disciple them. And this is where the church comes in. This is where we bring them to the church. You know, a lot of times people think about, well, I'll bring my friend to the church so he can get saved. That's great. But what about you sharing the gospel with them before you get to church? Because the church's job isn't necessarily to be in a, a hub of evangelism, meaning the, our gathering, what we're doing right now. If I just came up here and gave you guys an evangelist message, most of you would look at me like, like almost probably all of you, that's neat, that's great. But I'm already saved, right? The, 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 the call of the church uh, is, to, is to disciple and that we grow. And, and so this is what we do, right? This is what we're about. This is what you need to be about. I need to be about on a personal level. This is the, the purpose of our life.
Now, Jesus said, and I want to just bring up a, a topic of uh, what, you know, has been, been coined uh, as friendship evangelism. What friendship evangelism is this idea that I won't really say anything that will offend them, like the gospel, like, like you're a sinner, like know that what you're doing right there is going to be judged by God and you're going to go to hell for it and you need to repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus Christ. Like I'm not going to do all that because that's offensive. I'm just going to show them the gospel through my life. Okay? I'm, not, I'm going to be a silent, we have this phrase in the church, a silent witness. That phrase is found nowhere in the Bible. Just FYI, you can't find a silent witness in the Bible. The word witness uh, is actually from the word martyr, which they weren't silent. Okay? They were bold and they stood up. There is uh, an aspect to the Great Commission, though, that were, of course, to live out the gospel, right? And that's kind of the idea is like, live it out. That's great. All I would say to this is that I'm going to live out the gospel. And as I live out the gospel, I'm going to preach the gospel. Okay? It's not like one or the other. But we have an issue in the church, don't we? Where we're not living out the gospel before the world. What is the, one of the number one reasons people tell me they're not going to become a Christian? Because there are hypocrites in the church. Right? So we want to live out the gospel as we preach the gospel. John's account gives us this idea of living out the gospel in a, a, just an amazing way. It's very simple. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus simply says, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I now send you. That's, that's the commission there. That's it. As the Father, I love that because I'm a simple guy. I like, like keep it really simple for me. Get too complex. I got to have a bunch of notes and then I can't even, for me, I can't read them anyways or write them. So it just doesn't work. So keep it really simple, right? Jesus just says this. As the Father sent me, the same way he sent me, I'm going to send you. Well, if you know the context of John, what we call the prologue of John, which is John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. The prologue of John tells us this. In the beginning was the word, I won't quote the entire 18 verses to you, but he says in verse 1, in the beginning was a word, the word was with God, the word was God. Then he says in verse 14, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then you jump to verse 18. He says, and no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father has come to declare him to us. So, in the beginning was God, and, and in the beginning was the Word of God. That Word became man, became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld the glory of God through the Son of God, the only begotten of God, Jesus Christ. And His purpose for coming to this earth, verse, uh, verse 18 says, that no one's seen God, the Father God, at any time, but the only begotten who is in the heart of God has come to declare Him to us. Of course, the Word of God, Jesus, came to declare the Son, or to declare the Father to us. So this is what he says to you and me, that, that God the Father is manifested through Jesus Christ. Now, of course, in John 14, we see that 
where Philip says, no, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. And Jesus says, have you been with me so long and you have not yet seen the Father? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Okay? That's living out the gospel. So Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I now send you. And by the way, when Jesus has his great uh, Lord's Prayer in John 17, I think it's verse 16, uh, there of John 17, he, he prays that, Father, as you've sent me, so now I send them. This is the purpose of my life. This is the purpose of your life, is to manifest the Father to the world, is to manifest the heart of God. Listen, they haven't seen God. The people driving by right now, they've heard of God, but they haven't seen God. How will they ever see God? Well, they'll come to my church service. and No, no they're probably not going to see God on a Sunday morning as much as they're going to see God living through you. Which brings us to the fifth commission. The fifth commission is found in Acts chapter 1. And just abbreviate it, just looking at verse 8. There in Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, Luke is writing the book of Acts, and it's actually volume 2, if you didn't know this, it's volume 2 of the Gospel of Luke. It's not just Luke writes both books, it's literally volume 2. It's the continuation of the story. And there's an overlap at the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts. And, and, and he makes that statement there in Acts chapter 1. And in verse 8, he says, but you shall receive. Of course, the, uh, the, the disciples are asking, Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? You know, oh, what's the purpose of our life? That's, that's what they're asking. Are you going to restore the kingdom now? Is this going to happen now? Is, what are we to do now? Like, now we're going to sit at thrones and judge the nations, and you're going to reign from Jerusalem. He says, no, it's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put into his own authority concerning the restoring of the kingdom, which is future, which is to come, Revelation 20. It's going to happen after the second coming, millennial reign of Christ. But listen, Jesus says, but you shall receive. Right now, what's going to happen is you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you're going to be a witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Now check this out. It says that Jesus says this in a sense to heaven. And I don't know if it happened this way, but I, I kind of see it like Jesus just saying, hey, listen, you guys, what you're called to do. He's standing there. You guys, what you're called to do. He's looking at his 12. He's saying, you're called to be witnesses of me. As the Father sent me, and I was a witness of him, so now I send you. But you can't do that without help. <laughs> Isn't that true? Don't we know that? Lord, I, I'm a bad witness. Yeah, you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, but you shall receive deutimus, is the Greek word, power. The word is actually the word where we get the word dynamic from. Let me ask you, when the world looks at my life, looks at your life, do they see something different than when they look at other people's lives? Non-believers. Do they see a dynamic working power through us? Why is the church not effective? Because the church isn't fulfilling its purpose. The church isn't dependent on God. The church isn't seeking God. The church lacks a vision of why they're here on this earth. 
Lord, help me to be a witness of you. I need that, that deutimus, that dynamic working power through me so the world would see that there is something bigger and greater and better than the world has to offer. And his name is Jesus Christ and he lives in me. He's my God. He's my Savior. And he's flowing through me. And people are witnessing his person through my life. It's just, that's, listen, I'm giving you simple Bible today. This is just simple ABCs of Christianity. I mean, we are at the very A of, of the ABCs. This is the first thing to do. This is the purpose of our life. And somehow in all the stuff we've got going and all the things we do in church and all the things we do in this life and in our lives and the American dream, we just lost it. We just lost sight of the simplicity of why we exist we live our lives here to be a witness of Jesus Christ. And he says in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. Now, for those words might not mean much to us unless we know, uh, you know, the geography of Israel really well in the world. But at Jerusalem's just where they were. So if Jesus was here before us, he'd say, uh, you need to be a witness of me in Truckee. And then, you know, uh, the surrounding regions, I don't know all your guys' counties and stuff. I don't know, Reno would be the Judea, right? And, and then, you know, Samaria, America, to the end of the earth. Like, what I find today in most Christians, there is a short-sighted view of the vision of being a witness of Jesus Christ. It might be my family. It might extend to a co-worker maybe my neighbor, but it just stops there. And because our view is so short-sighted, our purpose in life is so small. God has so much for you. Now, we are, we are Americans, and Americans are very individualistic kind of people. Okay, when you work in missions, you understand a lot about community, a lot about, you know, kind of a clan, a tribe. Uh, everything to them is togetherness. And we are very individualistic. But listen, we're the body of Jesus Christ. And every one of you as individual members of the body are still one body. We all have a role to play in the, in the Great Commission that's beyond our sphere of influence, that's beyond, uh, you know, Truckee, beyond, you know, your family, beyond that. And we need to recognize that as God's people and God's church and we come together and we see that. Listen, when you understand the purpose of your life, and I could just see Jesus like standing there and he's saying Jerusalem. And they're like, okay, Jerusalem. And then he's like Judea. And they're like, okay, Judea. That's like the county of the city of Jerusalem, okay? Samaria, oh, I don't know. Samaria was like, we don't like Samaritans. We don't go to Samaria. Samaria is a different culture. And we've got problems. There was a racial tension with Samaria. We don't do that. Okay? Um, so they're like, oh, okay. And then, and I could just see like Jesus is ascending. He's, he's lifting up. And he's like, Jerusalem. And then he's like, Judea. And it's almost like I can see it. And Samaria. And he gets a little higher. And he's like, and to the ends of the earth. Boom, he's gone. 
Like, that's it. Like, and, and it says there in Acts 1, they're gawking. The Greek word is they're literally gawking into heaven, like a transfixed, you know, stare into heaven. Like, and angels, like, tap them on the shoulders and say, hey, dudes, what are you doing? This same Jesus who came, who went from you, will so come back again. Get busy doing what he said to do. I mean, that's really what the angel's message was. It's like you got to get with it. you got to go for it. And brothers and sisters, it's so simple when you look at it. And this is what happened to us. We just started looking at it. And again, being young helped. Yes, we're ignorant. Yes, we didn't have experience. But what we had was faith. Because you know when you're young, you're just like, you don't know any better. You know, it's like a little kid. They don't know any better. It's like my son Isaac's here with me, and he's praying about coming and uh, being a part of your guys' fellowship. Uh, he'll, he'll be uh, 24 tomorrow. Okay, when he, when he was a little guy, you know, and he was once little. Now he's a lot bigger than me. He's like 6'5 or something. Okay, when he was a little guy, and I was teaching him how to play basketball, and I'll never forget this. Him and his brothers asked me one day, it's like eight years old, nine years old, you know, six years old. Dad, why aren't you in the NBA? I mean, you are so good. L listen, he, he doesn't say that anymore. He grew up and realized, and he told me the other day, I coached him his whole life. He played college basketball. He's an awesome basketball player. He told me, Dad, you didn't teach me anything about basketball. Basically, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so he went from, why aren't you in the NBA, to you have no idea what you're talking about. Okay? When you're young, you're dumb. You don't know any better. And you just take what you see for granted. Like, that's it. That's what it is. You take it, you know, at, at you know, just what it is. We were young and we just said, well, the Word of God says it, let's do it. Well, if God wants to, if God's called us to reach the world, let's, let's reach the world. And so we just simply started to pray. And by the way, that's what Jesus tells us to do, is to pray. That's where it all starts. Matthew chapter 9, the last couple verses of Matthew 9, verses uh, 37 and 38, Jesus is there. It says he's moved with compassion. He sees the sheep not having a shepherd. And he says, he turns to his disciples and says, uh, there, he says, guys, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send out laborers into his harvest. He says, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are for you. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest. You need, I would have said, go. They're his disciples, right? It's the purpose of their life. Like, hey, guys. The harvest is plentiful, labors are few. You're the few labors, get moving. He didn't do that. He said, pray. That's what I want to challenge you with today. As you go home today, Lord, what's the purpose of my life? And I, I don't want some cool book on the purpose of life. What does your word say? What does your word say the purpose of my life is? And what we've seen so clearly and simply is the purpose of our life, purpose of the church's existence on the earth today, is for the evangelization and discipleship of all people. Now, the seed that I would want to plant into your heart, and I believe without question, 
It was something that was planted by the Holy Spirit in this church many, many years ago. And that seed is that I would plant in your heart today that there is a great need amongst the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not only here in Truckee. This is where it starts. This is where the base is, we call it. We like to think about it as a, as a sending hub. That's what the church should be. That's what we see in the book of Acts. And you know, today there are churches that are more like cruise ships than aircraft carriers. I like to kind of have the analogy between the two different kinds of churches. What kind of church are you guys? And what kind of Christian are you? Are you a cruise ship kind of Christian? Looking for just a nice experience. Like, you know, you come to church and you know how a cruise ship is. I mean, who pays to go on a cruise ship to work, right? No, you don't. You're there to be entertained. I mean, I don't know about you. One of the things I love about cruise ships is the free flowing ice cream. I mean, I just have ice cream all day. It's great. I feel like a kid again. It's wonderful. You know, uh, you're served. There's a mess. Someone else cleans it up. You know, you go there to play. You know, the, you, the kids would just have fun. But that's what the church in America has become. It's become like a big cruise ship. And so we're building our churches based on the itching ears of those that want to hear what they want to hear and want to do. And we've got this event for the kids and that thing for the family and this. And, and you're like, well, this church just isn't fitting us. And we're going to go over to that church because that church over there, they've got, you know, a better playground. They've got a rock climbing wall for the youth. You know, they've got this. They've got that. Why am I going to church? I'm going to church to be ministered to, to be served. That's what the word ministry means. To be served, to be pampered, to be entertained. That's not the purpose of the church. A better illustration of the church is uh, not just a battleship, but an aircraft carrier. Do you know on an aircraft carrier, the personnel is about 5,000 people to get 100 planes in the air. And on that ship, there's more than just pilots. You know, 100 planes, so there's 100 crews that take those ships out on what? Mission. They're out there for a mission. Of course, everyone on that ship is trained. Everyone on that ship follows rules. Everyone on that ship does their job, finds their place. You know, the cooks, they're really important on the ship, right? It's not just the guy flying in the jet that takes off from the, uh, you know, deck of the plane goes out on a mission? What about the guy running the radios? What about the, the guy working on the plane? What about the, the person that's turning the salt water into fresh water so you can survive on the plane? What about the engine room? Right, on and on we could go. Everyone has a role. That's like the body of Christ. We all have our role. Do you know it takes for one jet to fly off of that platform? It takes 50 personnel. 50 people to every one man. And that's what it's like when we think of missions, when we think of sending people and being a sending hub and praying for the world. We first start evangelizing where we are. We live out the gospel the way God's called us to. But then we have a vision. And again, I want to speak to you from a perspective of not a missionary, but of a Christian that lives in America, that lives in a very plush area of the world. I mean, when I come back, from Africa, when I come back from the Middle East, when I come back from Asia, when I come back out of the, the jungles or the bush, I mean, where there's been no running water, there's no electricity, I mean, it's, it's some pretty crazy stuff. 
Uh, when I come back, the first time I came out of the bush in Africa, I literally got down at LAX, and this is disgusting, but I was young, and I just kissed the ground. I mean, <laughs> this is the greatest place on the planet Earth. The luxury, the blessing, the freedom, uh, hot water. I can't wait for a shower, a legitimate shower that it's not, you know, well water in a bucket and you're freezing and you're pouring it over your head. And like, this is amazing. You know, we need to see that it's not just that kind of a calling because you go, well, I'm not called to be a missionary. Well, I'm not either, but I'm called to be engaged in the Great Commission. I'm called to be one of those personnel. I'm called to be some part of the body of Christ with a vision that corporately together, we, the church, are going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, presently, conservatively, there is over 3.3 billion people in this world that have never had the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. I want you to think about it. We call them the unreached. The unreached are unreached because they're hard to reach. They live in areas of persecution. They're very remote. They, it takes great sacrifice to reach them. But we as the American church, the comfortable church, need to get off the cruise ship and get on to the aircraft carrier. And we need to recognize, God, what's my call? What's my place? Where, where do I fit in the body of Christ to fulfill the mission that you have given us, the commission that you have given us to reach the world? Brothers and sisters, people are hungry for the, for, for the Lord and they don't know who He is. Now, some people will say, well, uh, creation declares the glory of God, right? Isn't that what I, um, Psalm 19 tells us? Uh, uh, you know, Romans chapter 1, that creation reveals the invisible attributes of God, declares these things. But that's true, but it doesn't preach the gospel. Paul, in Romans, after he makes that statement, he goes on to Romans 10 and says, how can they hear unless they, uh, someone preaches? And how can someone preach unless they're sent? How can they, this is right after he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made to salvation, and with the heart, belief is made. But they can't be saved. Make no mistake about it. There's this idea in the church, I've heard it so many times, even in Calvary Chapel, that don't worry about the people that have never heard the gospel because God's sovereign and God's fair and they'll be reached. So really, can you show me where that's, it says that in the Bible? My Bible says very clearly you, the church, are responsible to reach them. Of course, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And it's not a burden, by the way. It's a blessing. It's part of the call of Jesus. It's being a part of what Jesus did. As a father sent me, so now I send you. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go and teach them all things that I have said to you. When the Holy Spirit will come upon you, you shall receive power to be a witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Like, clearly that's what we're called to do. So where is this idea that they'll be saved somehow? So do, are we saying we believe someone can be saved without calling on the name of Jesus? Because Paul says they can't. 
Romans 10, abundantly clear. Romans 15, he says, listen, this is the, I make it my aim to preach Christ where he hasn't been named. This is my goal in life. And of course, he's the missionary, but no, he had a sending church. He had people praying for him. He had people not just giving to him, but, but being a part of caring about what's going on, what's happening. I was uh, deep in the bush in Africa in a Muslim country. Um, and I mean, we were in a tribe where I was one of the first white guys they'd ever seen. The kids were rubbing my arm. And, you know, they're these little black African kids, the cutest kids that you've ever seen. We're in the bush. I mean, they are filthy, dirty. I mean, the top of their heads in their little afros is just pure mud. Okay, this is the way they live. They live in the dirt. They live in the mud. We're back in an unreached tribe, okay? And, uh, and it's very dangerous. To even get there, you're risking your life just to go, just to drive down the road. They're blowing people off with RPGs and stuff off the road. So, you know, it's kind of crazy. And so I'm there, and the kids are just rubbing my arm. Like, I've got a picture of, like, as many hands that can, little African hands that can fit on my arm. And they're saying in Arabic a word, and I don't know what the word is. So I asked my friend, who knew just a little bit Arabic. He says, they're saying goat. They're calling you a goat. Because the African kids and Africans in the bush, they don't have a lot of hair on their arms. And here I am, this big white you know, Amazon dude to them, you know, with white hair and they're just, and the kids are just busting up laughing, right? They're rubbing my arm, ah, and falling back and laughing and, you know, just having the time of their life. Was in that tribe, I was standing with the chief and we had four translators. That's how deep the language was, right? The tribal language, then to kind of the regional language, then it went to Arabic and then it went to English. So I'm standing here. I've got the pastor we're sending. He's translating the Arabic, the tribal language, the, the regional language, the tribal language, right? And you, you ever just think of like, uh, you know, telephone when I was a kid, you know, you'd play telephone and like, you know, how the, like, is the message even getting there? This is what he says to me. Is it true? What do you mean they've never heard the name of Jesus? It's, I'm not saying they, ne they never had a Calvary Chapel to go to and get taught the word of God. I'm telling you, they've never heard the gospel. I was in the foothills of the Himalayas up in uh, Asia, and um, we've got a huge, you know, awesome work God's done there amongst many unreached people groups. And we were in a village, and we were sharing the gospel. And uh, we come into the village, and the national guy we're working with, we always let the nationals do the work, um, says, hey, have have you guys heard of Jesus Christ? The guy says, no. He must live in the next village. Never heard of him. That just, when, when, I, when I heard that, I was like, wow. You know, when you say that to someone, they're like, whatever, get out of my face or whatever. You know, these guys literally never heard of the gospel of the name of Jesus. The world waits to hear the gospel. We are a very blessed people. We, the American church, are a blessed people. We've been given the gospel. We've been given so much. Like, you guys are richly fed. You guys are rich people, spiritually, physically. We are blessed of the, the blessed of the blessed in the earth. Why did God bless us? He blessed us for a purpose. 
How many of us are going to regret when we stand before the Lord, I wasted the blessings God gave to us? Listen, the purpose of the church, and I'm wrapping things up with this thought. The purpose of the church is not for you and for me to gather on Sunday and go to church. That isn't the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is for you and me to go and make disciples of all nations. There's a difference between the purpose of the church and the purpose of why the church gathers. We gather to be fed the word, right? Acts 2.42, you guys know that verse, hopefully. They, get, you know, they came together for fellowship, for the breaking of bread, and for prayer, right? This is what we do. We're Calvary Chapel. I mean, like Gary said, you know, it's never too cold to have a barbecue. Like, it's ne there's never a time we shouldn't feed, eat together. Like, that's just, that's just a 101, you know, 101, you know, Calvary Chapel thing. We come together to break bread. We come together to fellowship with one another. We come together for uh, the teaching of the Word of God. But wait a second. That's not the purpose of the church. That's the purpose of why we gather to get equipped to go fulfill our purpose. And this is where so many Christians have missed it. We have exchanged the purpose of the church for gathering on Sundays. And like that's the end. Guys, it would be like this. As I said, shared, my son, you know, uh, was a basketball player for many years. And uh, I have four kids. They all were in sports. I coached them all. Our youngest son was, uh, you know, pretty high up in, uh, in soccer, uh, you know, club teams, all that kind of stuff. I understand what it takes to, to, to train and, to, and the sacrifice it takes to be a good athlete. Watching my kids and what they went through. And they were some awesome athletes, and that was, those were some fun times, you know. Uh, I'm known to be a little competitive myself, um, you know. But to think that, you know, my son Isaac is going to practice literally almost seven days a week. And then he's going to take special training outside of practice. And then he's going to do his own routine. And then, you know... Uh, He's got to, you know, eat a certain way and live a certain way and work out a certain way. That's not, you know, uh, we're you're talking about in the weight room, all of these things, right? And I was, imagine his coach tells him after that, hey, the purpose of your training is just to train. You're never going to play in the game. How motivated do you think he'd be to, to train? Hey, you're never, you're going to sit on the bench the rest of your life you will never once play in the game. That's how many Christians live. Because church is just practice. Church is equipping. Church is training. Church is teaching. Church is discipling. So that we can go out and fulfill our purpose. But many Christians are what we would say sitting on the pine. Oh, that's why they don't come to church that much. Or when they do, they're like, whatever. Man, that guy went long. That was kind of boring. I was disengaged. Because they're not coming like, if you're on a, you know, aircraft carrier, you know, they're like, this is life and death. Okay, they're like cruise ship. They're not coming like, I'm training. Yeah, the guy that sits on the pine, watch him at practice compared to the starting players. He doesn't work that hard because he knows he's not going to play. 
Listen, there's no one that sits on the pine in God's kingdom. We are all called to be engaged in the battle. We are all called to be in the game. God wants to put you in the game today. Many Christians today have just a simple misunderstanding of the purpose of the church. They think the purpose of the church is to do what we're doing. It's not. The purpose of the church is to be a witness of Jesus Christ starting where we are to the ends of the earth. However God fits you into that, calls you to that, what your gift sets are for that. And so when we gather together, man, we're here for a purpose. To get trained, to get ready, to get prepared, to get equipped, to go fulfill our purpose. God has an amazing work for you guys. We're coming out of COVID. God is in a rebuilding process right now with this church. We're rethinking about church altogether. We're rethinking about ministry, what it should be. People are eager to get back. You guys are about to get a building. That's awesome. That's going to be a huge blessing and needed. Because God, and I, and I just want to speak prophetically to you guys for a second. I believe God is going to set up a base again here in Truckee for His gospel, for the nations, in a radical way. And it's going to start with you guys. And you guys are sitting right now on the starting team. Many more are going to come. People are going to come. Because you're going to share the gospel. And you're going to invite them. But there's going to be a healthy place to go. There's going to be a home to go to. God's going to grow. God's going to bring leaders. God's going to raise up leaders from amongst you. God's going to use you guys. God's going to launch the gospel out from this place as a sending hub to the world. And that's what we, that's what we have done. We send out pastors to plant churches to become sending hubs. Listen, if Gary's not going to the ends of the earth and he's coming to Truckee, then he's coming to Truckee to prepare a church to go to the ends of the earth. Okay, that's the purpose of our existence as the, as the church. Without that, it's just like, you know, you're just twiddling your thumbs, wasting your time. God's got an awesome plan. You know, during worship today, the Lord's just showing me, like, Trent, you have no idea. And guys, I'm going to leave. You're not going to see me. You're not going to really know me. So what happens here really doesn't necessarily affect me, right, except that I'm a Christian and I care about what, what happens with the church and the gospel. But I'm just telling you, the Lord's just like, you have no idea what I want to do with the, this group of people, with this city, with this church. I'm going to birth something fresh. I'm going to birth something new. And here's, here's my encouragement to you today. Are you going to be a part of that? Because it's not the pastor and a few leaders. The, the, God hasn't called pastors to go reach the world. He's called pastors to equip the church to reach the world. That's clear in Scripture. And God has something for every one of you that's bigger than you. A vision that's greater than you. That's going to require faith. It's going to require you guys to step out. It's going to require you to do things that you go, we can't do this, but we're going to do this because God's word says it and we just know God, God's going to show up. Listen, it's not faith if you fail, you know, then it's just over. Listen, here's faith, guys. God, I'm going to step out. If you don't show up, I'm falling on my face. Like, unless there's miracles happening, unless God's involved, it's not going to take place. That's faith. This is ABC Christianity. Okay, I'm not giving you some great, this is like, wow. 
This is like, whoa, this is heavy stuff this guy's bringing. This is elementary Christianity according to the New Testament. And it's exciting. It's exciting to step out and go like, I'm about to step off a cliff. And you know, I'm not talking about like blind faith or stupidity, or, but just biblical faith. God, you've called us. God, we're going to step out. We don't know what we're doing, but we know you do. We got your word. We're going to follow it. We'll listen to wisdom as we go, but we're not just going to sit here and do nothing. We're going. And as we step out and God just goes, hey, you never would have known how big I am unless you put yourself in that place. And as you guys step out, I'm just telling you, God is going to show up. You don't leave those experiences in your Christianity going like, well, that was cool. You leave going, oh, God, you are amazing. It lights a fire in you. It does something in you that it only can do. Nothing else can. And it's called being engaged in the Great Commission. I don't know everyone that's here today, but I know this. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, man, he loves you. He's got a plan for your life, and he wants to radically, radically change you, like he did me, like he did so many of us here today. He wants to change your life. And so I, I just, I want to leave you with this. Jesus simply declares that whoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever would put their faith in Him. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 10 that if you call in the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. How, how do you get saved? You cry out and say, God, I need you. Listen, you confess you're a sinner. You confess you need a Savior. Jesus Christ will save you. I don't care how long you've been in church, how many times you heard a message, how many times you've heard about Jesus. I'm telling you today that Jesus Christ has the authority and the power to transform your life for his glory. And today, our prayer for you is that you would receive Jesus Christ, if you haven't done that yet, as your personal Lord and your Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, God, for your grace. We ask, God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, that you would work, God, in righteousness as only you, as only you can. Father, we pray today that you, Lord, would save, Lord, anyone amongst us that's not saved. And I'm just going to give a, a, just an opportunity as we're just kind of in prayer and the worship team's coming up. If, if that's you today and you'd like to receive Christ, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And just to raise your hand up because I, I want to pray for you and, and we want to help you do that. And so if there's anyone here today that, that says, man, that's me, I, I want to give my life to the Lord. Just simply slip up your hand so I can see it and I can pray for you. Just give a, give a second here. Is there anyone here today who isn't right with God who would say yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ? That I need God in my life. I'm here to tell you that He's here for you. That He wants to save you. Okay, that means all of you guys are ready for the Great Commission. Amen? Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for this time together today. Be magnified and glorified. Accomplish your purpose and your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Mm. Amen. Amen.